You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Welcome to episode 15 of the Nerd Cave Retro. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. Yeah, we just had a false start because, uh, you know, technology and everything. I just upgraded to Sierra uh, last night on my iMac, and now everything is running super slow, and I don't know why. New software likes to do that. Yeah, I was kind of scared to do uh, to upgrade to Sierra because, like, Last time when I upgraded to El Capitan is when I had to get all new recording software because nothing was compatible with it. So I was kind of scared this was the trial run tonight. So we had a false start because my soundboard wasn't working. So thanks, Apple. (laughs) Why can't PC have cool updates? Like I said, you know, we get like Windows 7 or Windows 10. You guys get El Capitan. Yeah, well, you you know... all the operating systems for Apple used to be like animal names. It was all mm-hmm. like Snow Leopard and uh, uh, Jungle Lion, crap like that. And now they've moved on. To, it went from Mavericks to uh, El Capitan and now Sierra. And the weird thing is, is you know, it's hard to know what operating system you have because they're not numbered. At least Windows has, you know, Windows 95, Windows ME, Windows XP, uh, Windows 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 32. You know, you know where you're at, but with yeah, that is Apple, true. You don't know. That is true, but oh, just saying El Capitan is so much cooler yeah. than Windows 10. <laughs> El Capitan. <laughs> so, oh, but yeah. uh, how are things going besides... Uh, faulty technology Uh, it's going good you know Uh, it's um, about ready to go on my disney vacation so i'm getting ready for that this coming up week i only have to work uh two and a half days this week before i'm headed to florida and that'll be fun no lie i'm going to disney next month really yeah that's awesome it's a disney type of year it is. I noticed you guys talked about it on uh, Pop Culture Palette. I haven't listened to the whole episode yet, but the description sounds very interesting. Yeah, well, you know, Wally and Stephanie are both Disney freaks. Let's just say it like that. So especially Wally, like that dude, I don't know why he's not a Disney trip advisor or some sort of, um, I don't know, tour guide of Disney because he knows everything there is to know about Disney World. I'm going to have to ask him for some tips. Oh, you you have to. He'll tell you exactly what you need to do, when to do it, where to go, things you didn't know existed, all that kind of stuff. Like, how long has it been since you've been to Disney? Last time I went was 2007. Oh, wow. It's been a while. Yeah, last time I went was 2010, so it's been a while for me, too. I know they've added quite a few things since, you know, really either of us have been, so... It'll be an exciting time, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm especially uh, excited. Disney's uh, always fun. For the Star Wars stuff, that's what I really want to go for. (laughs) Oh, same here. Same here. No, Disney's always a fun time. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I'm I'm so excited. My wife and I, we've never gotten to go to Disney together, so this is going to be our first Disney trip together as a couple. Oh, that's fantastic. And that's coming up in three days. I'm ready. I'm so ready to go. I want to go now. 
you'll you'll love it. Oh, you'll yeah. absolutely love it. But uh, let's go ahead and get started on the episode. Um, anything you want to talk about before we jump into news? Um, nothing too big. I know um, one thing we did over at uh, the Nerd yeah. Cave, and I, anybody who's you know helped participate, I wanted to give a shout out to. Uh, we got to participate in this really cool thing called Extra Life, where we played video games for 24 hours straight, 8 a.m. to 8 a.m., and you could basically donate while you're watching the the live stream. You can still donate as well. I think we're taking donations up until December 31st, but uh, all the proceeds that we make go to our uh, local children's hospital, Sacred Heart Hospital, and um, it goes towards helping, you know, find cures for uh, children with diseases. That's awesome. I forgot to tell you that I watched a little bit of yours and uh, Zach's live stream yesterday on Facebook. Uh, Y'all were playing some sort of weird looking wrestling game with uh, like Pokemon characters in it. Oh, yeah. It was the new WWE game, but you can download created characters and someone, I guess, had made Charmander and Squirtle. So (laughs) we decided to do that. There's all kinds of crazy ones. There was a Harambe one that we had to get and it was (laughs) it it was uh it was a fun time that's cool that's cool that you guys get to do that i would like to do that next year and we could do retro games um and get people to donate while we play like super c or something like that that'd be awesome oh absolutely which you know with our first bit of news and i guess this could be a good segue is uh that's actually possible now let's go right into it We have talked about this for months, really, since the first episode of this podcast, and it's finally here. This Friday, November 11th, the mini NES will be available. Finally. And I am so excited. And the cool thing about this is you remember the old uh, like Nintendo hotline you could call. Oh, yeah. I called to once. get to, to get tips. Yeah. <laughs> so this is from IGN. To celebrate the release of the Nintendo Entertainment System NES Classic Edition, Nintendo is bringing back the Nintendo Game Counselor service, the Powerline. For three days only, which is November 11th through the 13th, the Powerline, which is at one time and pre-internet the only place to get help for some of Nintendo's classic games, will be back up with tips and tricks. Available from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time each day, the advice line will be fully automated, and listeners will hear recorded tips for several games plus behind-the-scenes stories from original Nintendo gameplay counselors. That is so cool I, I that they I are doing that. I have to call this just, just for nostalgic reasons alone. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Nintendo is completely revamping their social media to look 80s. <laughs> and it, it's just such, it's such a cool thing. And, you know, we've been talking about this since the podcast started. And it's finally here. I know. And I, I, I can't wait to play it. And I'm going to be in Disney at the time. So hopefully I'll be able to buy my NES Mini over Amazon while I'm there. So if not, if I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to a Best Buy or a Target or GameStop to be able to pick one up. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm probably just going to go the Amazon route. And just have it, you know, shipped here the day it comes out. So that way I don't have to 
go to like a GameStop and because I could see this thing being really popular. Because oh, I, I really want to play this the day it comes out. I do and do too. some type of a you know reaction video to it. I can't wait. I've been watching all the unboxing videos on YouTube for it, and I am I'm at a fever pitch for this thing. I mean, it's not like I've never played any of these games before. It just feels. I I don't know. It's like it's it's got me by the nostalgia bone, and it's just shaking me. That's the thing that Nintendo is very good at. I mean, they're the thing with Nintendo is they're not as relevant in pop culture now, but their retro gaming is the NES, the SNES, the stuff that we talk about that still resonates with people because most people, you know, your age and my age grew up playing Nintendo. So they're obviously going to, people love sentimental, nostalgic things. Mm -hmm. So when they see things like this, that's, that's going to hit, you know, it's going to hit a certain spot. And, um, it says here the Nintendo Entertainment System NES Classic Edition includes 30 classic NES games such as Super Mario Brothers, Metroid, Donkey Kong, The Legend of Zelda, Kirby's Adventure, and Pac-Man. Um, IGN gave it a uh, 7.5, saying the selection of 30 beautifully emulated, mostly classic games make a strong case to own an NES Classic. But I just can't understand why somebody thought limiting us to a two and a half foot controller cable was a good idea because it really limits where and how you can enjoy these games. I have been reading that a lot. Yeah, me too. The, the controller cable's really short. But you can get an extender cable. Uh, it's like, I think they said it was like five or six bucks for the extender cable. Well, that's not terrible. And as I think I mean, it's an I'll, extender I'll end cable. Up one. I think it was made for the Wii, so it, but it still works for these controllers. Yeah, the, the controller input is the exact same as like a, a Wii classic controller or, you know, that you would plug into the Wii remote or something like that. It's the exact same port, so. I'm just excited to be able to play these games in HD and you're going to have a save system and it's just, it's going to be awesome. I mean, why you wouldn't want one of these is beyond me. Yeah, looking at the, the list of all the games, there are actually some, and I didn't know this, but some are exclusive to um, to North America. Oh, let's see, out of the out of the games that are listed, the exclusive to North American consoles are uh, Bubble Bobble, Castlevania II, Donkey Kong Jr., Final Fantasy, Kid Icarus, Punch Out, Star Tropics, and Tecmo Bowl. Hmm. And then um, the games that are exclusive to the Japanese version. Let's see, some of these are obviously Japanese titles, so I can't really pronounce them, but the ones that I do recognize are Final Fantasy III, NES, Open Tournament Golf, River City Ransom, and Solomon's Key. Uh, I wish we had River City Ransom on the, uh, the the American version. I've actually never heard of that game. It's really good. It's one of the games I, I never owned, but every everybody I knew that had a Nintendo had it. So I was always trading games with people to like borrow it. Um, so I never actually bought a copy for myself, but it's one of the best, like, you know, side scrolling, uh, 2d side scrolling beat em ups for the Nintendo. And it's actually one of the games that's very rare and hard to find these days. And it is going to cost you a pretty penny to actually find a copy of it. Let's see, I'm looking it up right now. It's crazy how expensive those games can get. 
Oh, absolutely. See, River City Ransom. Oh, the box art looks really cool. Yeah, let me look it up as well. River City Ransom. Come on, Wikipedia. Let's see. It'd be one of the games I would definitely want to review for the show if I could find a copy of it. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking at the the gameplay. It, it's It's got that Nintendo feel to it. It reminds me a little bit of... Um, Looks like the gameplay is similar to like a Double Dragon. Yeah, it's very much like that, but much better. Yeah. Interesting. Because you, you get, um, it says, the uh, fighting style is very similar to Double Dragon and that the player can move freely around the screen while pressing buttons to punch, kick, or jump. Objects such as brass knuckles, steel pipes, and trash cans can be used as melee weapons or thrown at enemies. However, the character's effectiveness in battle is determined by several statistics and their knowledge of fighting techniques, techniques such as Grand Slam, Stone Hands, and Dragon Feet, which are purchased as books in shops throughout the city using funds recovered from defeated gang members. So that's where the RPG elements come in in the game. So it's like Double Dragon, but with RPG elements. Sweet. So, that yeah, sounds I'm, interesting. I'm going to find me a copy of this somewhere. I'm going to find it. And then I'll review it, and it'll be awesome. <laughs> I have no doubt that you'll find it. But um, but no, I'm story... I'm excited for the mini NES. Oh yeah, it's be great. I I definitely as soon as we get it, we have to do a special edition podcast on our um our first um you know what what am I trying to say? It's Sunday night. First it's impression. Late. Yeah, first impressions. I'm sorry, we record this on Sunday nights, kind of late, and my brain is fried at this point, but. That's why I have trouble talking on this podcast. I'm not really an idiot. <laughs> At least I don't think I'm not. <laughs> no, it's it's all good. But makes uh, you feel any better. I, I'm fighting a sinus infection and yeah. it kind of hurts to talk. So <clears throat> it's all here good. we go. <laughs> Next story. Rayman's creator, Michael Ansel, reveals original Super Nintendo prototype car- prototype cartridge and gameplay. Rayman is without it. And this comes to us from RetroCollect.com. Rayman is without it. Is without a doubt one of the greatest franchises to be born from the 90s and one that proudly lives on even today. While many of us will remember Rayman from his early outings on the Sony PlayStation and Sega Saturn, the creator of the series has just unveiled an early Super Nintendo prototype of the game. Uh, he posted two images which showcase something only a handful of individuals have ever seen. The first of these images, images presented a Super Nintendo development cartridge sticking out of a PAL console. The photographic teaser, the photographic teaser was accompanied by a caption deal, detailing Ansel's excitement at seeing his unfinished work for the first time in several decades. This would be uh, kind of awesome if they actually released this. Because I never knew Rayman was on the Super Nintendo. I mean, it wasn't, no. but at least to know that there was a working prototype. And this is definitely something that needs to be archived and saved. Oh, absolutely. I never really got into Rayman, but I know people who did said they love the games. And it, it looks like a game that would be right up my alley. But it was just one that I guess kind of I kind of threw by the wayside, but... Seeing it, like I'm looking at the picture now, it absolutely looks like a Super Nintendo game. Yeah, it has that. It just um, has that look to it. Yeah, it's got kind of that uh, uh, Earthworm Jim look to it. Yeah, it does. This would be really cool if they were able to to archive it in some way. Because 
Rayman has that that cult following. Like he never got to the level of like a like a Sonic or even a Crash Bandicoot. But yeah, I think he, Rayman has his fans. He definitely came kind of late for the whole um, mascot era of video games. I mean, not to say that there aren't mascots now because you did you have like God of War, uh, Master Chief, but Rayman definitely would have fit in more. Um, and probably would have been way bigger if he had come out about five years before, you know, five years earlier. If he'd have came out like in the late 80s, early 90s, he probably would have been a contender up there with maybe not as big as Mario, but definitely as recognizable as Sonic. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, because Mario was kind of on his own level. Yeah. And then you have your your Sonic and your your Crash Bandicoot, and I think Rayman would have been right up there with them. Because nothing will ever top Mario. I mean, he is the mascot to end all mascots, but Rayman would have definitely been up there. Yeah, I know recently they did uh, a Rayman Legends game. I think that was what it was called. It came out like three or four years ago, Mm -hmm. and it got good reviews, but... Again, it was one of those games that I just never played, but yeah, you know, it, it's it's cool to see stuff like this get, you know, brought out into the public. Yeah, and even if it's not a finished game, if they if it was just like I said, it was archived and and saved for posterity, and if you could, you know, be able to play the levels that are finished, I think that would be awesome. Oh, absolutely. But um, absolutely. Coming up next, we have this month in video game history. In 1986, November 1st, Sega releases Alex Kidd in Miracle World. It is the first game in the Alex Kidd series created for this character and the most popular of all Alex Kidd games. Did you ever play the Alex Kidd games back in the 80s? I did not. Um, I've actually never heard of Alex Kidd. I'm looking up the the info now. He he, He looks a little familiar. Yeah, he was pushed to be the Sega mascot before Sonic. He was the, you know, he was the pack-in game before Sonic came around. Yeah, I'm looking at the Wikipedia now. It says here, however, Sega wished to have a mascot to rival Nintendo's flagship character Mario, a task which Alex Kidd was not considered up to. Yeah, it's definitely, he's definitely not uh, Mario level, and the game was not, Mario level. I mean, you're talking about the Sega uh, Master System, or what was it? The what was the original? Not the the Genesis, but the one before it, the Mega Drive or the Master System. Um, it was the Mega Drive. Yeah, it was for that, and it was eight bit, and it definitely didn't have the appeal that Mario had. Yeah, uh, it's. I get, you know, like the game looks kind of interesting. Like I'm, I'm looking at screen caps from it, but it's definitely, they made the right choice with Sonic. Yeah, definitely. Instead of Alex Kidd. Uh, Let's see. In 1991, on November 21st, Nintendo releases The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past for the Super Famicom in Japan. You know, we've talked about this game numerous times. It's, it's so good. It's. (laughs) Probably my favorite SNES game of all time. It's number two on my all-time Zelda franchise list. Zelda's my all-time favorite video game franchise. Yeah, I don't just think so so good. I don't think there's anything left for us to say about Legend of Zelda: a Link to the Past. We both love it. It's definitely one of the best 
Super Nintendo games ever made. One of the best video games ever made. And it still holds up to this day. If you haven't played it, do yourself a favor and find a way to play Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. You will not regret it. If you want to hear a really good explanation of Zelda Link to the Past, just download the very first episode yeah. of this podcast. <laughs> we we talked about off. that in detail. Yeah, we kicked off this entire show with The Legend of Zelda, and we both heaped enough praise on it to last 100 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but in 1995, on November 24th, Nintendo unveils a playable version of the Nintendo Ultra 64, later renamed the Nintendo 64, at the 7th Annual Nintendo Space World Software Exhibition in Japan. Thirteen games were demonstrated, but only two were in playable form, Kirby Ball 64 and Super Mario 64. I remember when this happened. Like th this is kind this. of where like I can really remember, you know, events when it comes to gaming because the SNES was already kind of around when I got into gaming, but the 64 was the first system that I really followed like from the announcement up until its release. Yeah. So I, I remember when all this happened, and what's crazy is when the 64 came out, there were only two launch titles available for it. It was Mario 64 and Pilot Wings. Yeah. I this was the around the time that I was not into video games anymore because I felt like video games were child childish things because I was in high school and I had to be cool. Um so <laughs> I stopped playing video games for a few years and didn't really pick up again until I bought a Nintendo 64 around 98, 99. It was, it was late into the cycle of the Nintendo 64. I only had it for maybe a year before I moved on to the, the original Xbox. But I love the Nintendo 64. That was a great system. It was. Um, kind of off topic, um, I did a little bit of digging, and the first Sega um, console was the Master System. Yes. It wasn't the the Mega Drive. Yeah, the Mega like Drive was actually before. the gen the, another name for the Genesis. And Correct. I always get that so, confused. Went went back and did my fact checking. So, <laughs> which is what we should do on this game on this game the show since I completely eradicated all facts a few weeks ago when I did the uh, the Fester's Quest episode. But in my in my defense, I was running a fever and <laughs> just blown chunks right before the show. I'll, and I'll say in your defense, that was the best episode we've ever done. <laughs> I've heard that from several people. Everyone loves a good rant, especially yeah. one induced by sickness. Yes. <laughs> but uh, if you're ready, we will go into our um, review for the night, which Derek will be doing this game right here. That is fantastic music. <laughs> I was hoping that you would pick that song. Yeah, I tried to pick the best, the best, most upbeat song I could find from the soundtrack. I'm still tapping my toes to it, actually. <laughs> my review is Super Mario RPG, subtitled Legend of the Seven Stars. This was a game that got a lot of hype when it came out. It was released in Japan 
March 9th, 1996, and in North America on May 13th, 1996. This was developed by Square, known at the time. It's now known as Square Enix, and published by Nintendo for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. This game was a combination of Final Fantasy meets the Mario universe. And it got a lot of hype for that reason because, you know, Final Fantasy has its huge niche audience, and rightfully so. I mean, I've heard all the games are are great for the most part. And integrating that into the Mario universe, which was known exclusively as a platformer, added such a unique and great element to it and also gave the opportunity to add legitimate story to the Mario franchise because with the with the original games it's just you try and rescue the princess from Bowser mm-hmm. and that's really about it but with this you actually kind of develop you know a little bit of personality with all the characters like you really get to go inside Bowser's head you get to actually know the princess instead of just rescuing her at the end of the game. And the cool thing about this game was by the end of it, you can actually play as both the princess and Bowser, which you could never do before. Oops. And, and adding, you know, some, (laughs) some new characters as well. Um, there's basically what the story of this game is, and this is verbatim from the Wikipedia page. Um, The game begins when Mario enters Bowser's castle to rescue Princess Toadstool. During the battle, a giant sword falls from the sky, breaks through the Star Road, which is a pathway that helps grant people's wishes, and crashes into Bowser's castle, sending the three of them flying in different directions, as well as scattering seven star fragments. So basically what you have to do is, through the game, you learn that the Star Road is something that grants a lot of people's wishes, and as long as it's broken then it can never, wishes can never be granted. So what you have to do is you go through the Mushroom Kingdom and you have to fight different bosses and you collect seven different star pieces. And then you return to Bowser's Castle to fight the main villain, whose name is Smithy. And it's basically like you think the villain is this giant sword that's sticking in the the middle of Bowser's Castle, but it's really uh, like a ship like a weird type of spaceship. But throughout the game, you know, you meet different characters. Um, It has a lot of humor in it, which uh, was kind of implemented later. Like, this actually started a whole separate Mario franchise that was just RPGs. Like, after this, uh, Paper Mario came out for the Nintendo 64, which was kind of a spiritual successor to it. That's the only one I've ever hmm. played as far as a Super Mario RPG is is the Paper Mario games. Which, Paper Mario is a great game, too. Oh, yeah, it's a great game. Yeah, and they did a sequel for the GameCube called The Thousand Year Door, and that one's just as good. And uh, they also, it, this also implemented the Mario and Luigi series for the the handheld system, the 3DS, which, for those who haven't played those, I know those are newer games, but those games are so much fun. Because you can do a lot of, you know, team up moves with Mario and Luigi. The story is really good. The humor is absolutely hilarious. Um, but this, this is such a good game. You know, the SNES is known for its RPGs and I think square working with Nintendo to successfully integrate 
Nintendo's Golden Goose into another franchise type, it was like a seamless transition. I mean, to me, the Mario universe works almost as good as an RPG as it does for, for a platformer. And from the pictures that I'm looking at, this is definitely like a JRPG. This is a turn-based strategy, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it plays just like a Final Fantasy game. It's it's turn-based RPG system. This looks really fun. I would love to play this if I had a Nintendo 64. Oh, the, the Mario RPG is for Super Nintendo. Oh. I'm looking at one that yeah, this is Super Nintendo. I'm sorry. I'm so screwed up right now thinking we were talking about the Nintendo 64. But um, I didn't. I had no idea this was on the Super Nintendo. I thought that most of the RPGs, uh, the Mario RPG games, didn't come until the Nintendo 64 and afterwards. A lot of people forget about uh, Legend of the Seven Stars, but I remember <clears throat> seeing this in Nintendo Power. And I thought to myself, like, th this looks like such a cool game because I, I love the RPGs, like, you know, previous ones I've talked about, like Earthbound and uh, Secret of Mana. But adding the uh, a popular franchise to it was just really cool. And, you know, you can look up all types of, you know, Let's Plays. Um, I, I hope to do one at some point in the future. But this game is really good and it, it got really good reviews, too. Um, let's see, IGN gave it a 9.5 out of 10. Electronic Gaming Monthly, which was my favorite gaming magazine back in the day, gave it an 8.75 out of 10. Um, All Game got, gave it a 5-star rating. 1up.com gave it an A. RPG Gamer gave it 4 out of 5. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a really well-received game. Um, it sold in Japan... It sold 1.47 million copies, wow. made, making it the third highest selling game in Japan in 1996. I'm stumbling all over myself tonight. <laughs> I am too. And, and like I said, like the reason I, I was thinking this was the Nintendo 64, not only were we talking about the Nintendo 64, but the graphics for this game are incredible looking. Like for this, Super Nintendo, yeah it, yeah. it actually adds a 3D element to it. It's it's incredible and i want to find me a copy of this game to play like this looks like right up my alley oh you would love it you would love it, it it's it's really good um it's kind of crazy that this game never got a direct sequel to it there was supposed to be one for the nintendo 64 but they ended up making paper mario instead well, you know, Nintendo has put themselves in a very good position with uh, the upcoming new, uh, what's it called again? I just brain farted. The Switch. The Switch. Keep the, oh, God, I hate when they. It's, it's going to take a while to remember <laughs> yeah, it. It's, it's, it you know, they always change it. Like you get used to saying something else and then they, they change it to what it's actually going to be. But uh, they've put themselves in a really good position with that console. Well, not only with all the third-party stuff they're going to have for it, but they could go back to really making really good games like this involving Mario. Like, it doesn't have to be a straight platformer. You can do a Mario RPG and have it sell millions of copies because that's, you know, people will play this. And if you're playing it on a console 
that like a next gen console with really good graphics, really good gameplay. You give a a huge open world for Mario to play in. That's just a recipe for success in my book. I mean, they're already going to do it with the new Zelda game. Give Mario one too. Absolutely. If they came out and they said that we're doing a Super Mario RPG 2, like a direct sequel to this game. Oh, that would be amazing. I would make a gif of myself melting in my chair <laughs> at the announcement. But it's, it, it's so good. The The music is great. The environments are, they look really good. Like you said, the graphics are unbelievable for a Super Nintendo game. This game, it's probably, I would say it's, when my favorite RPGs, Earthbound would be 1A and this would be 1B. Like it's it's very, very close. Like I easily give this game a 9 out of 10. Wow, that's that's high praise. It's really, really good. Square did a phenomenal job with this. And I can't imagine the pressure they were under when they got the right to take, you know, the golden goose of video games. Mm-hmm. Like Nintendo said, take our best franchise and make it better. <laughs> That's when you put your best minds on, on the case. Exactly. I I absolutely recommend this game. Um, I if I ever find an extra copy of it, um, I will I will send it your way. It's definitely because you, you've you've got to play this game. Oh yeah, it's definitely something I'm going to keep an eye out for now at uh, flea markets and stuff. Um, and I just made a purchase the other day. I um, was just telling Derek right before uh, we started, I finally got myself a copy of Double Dragon, one of my favorite Nintendo you know, side-scrolling beat-em-ups. Um, I, and I don't want to say anything because I am going to review it. It doesn't quite hold up as good as it did when I was a kid, but it's still fun to play. So um, like, I'm going to keep uh, keep an eye out for this when I go um, you know, flea markets and maybe on eBay, I'll keep an eye out for it. Maybe I can find myself a nice copy of it for <laughs> that won't cost an arm and a leg. I do have one question about Double Dragon. Mm-hmm. When you played it, did you pull a wizard and kick ass on Double Dragon? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but no, I, I'm excited to hear the review for it. Yeah, well, coming up next week, I'm actually. Finally, I was going. I said last week I was going to be doing Crystalis, um, but I want to save that for a few weeks because I want to give that game my full attention because it's one of the best games you can get for the regular Nintendo Entertainment System, and I want to give it a a full thorough review. So I'm going to push it back a couple of weeks. But what I am going to review next week is Air Fortress, um, which was given to me by a listener Tyler Watson a few weeks ago. And uh, I played it, and it's pleasantly surprising. Uh, I've had a lot of fun playing that game this last week. What uh, little time I've had to play it. Uh, we'll have a few more hours to get to play it before I leave on my vacation this week. So I will be able to give an informed review next Sunday of Air Fortress. I'm excited to hear it. I've actually never heard of this game, except never, for what you've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, I had never heard of it either until he gave me a copy of it, and I, I fired it up the day he gave it to me, um, and I played the first level, and it's, um, you know, I at first I thought it was just a side-scrolling shooter along the lines of uh, Silver Surfer and things like that, 
And um, I was like, well, this looks kind of cool, but he did give me Dr. Mario at the same time. So over the next three weeks to a month, I was completely addicted to Dr. Mario and never went back to Air Fortress. Um, so I broke out the NES Advantage the other night and started playing Air Fortress and realized that there's more to this game than meets the eye. So I will reveal that next week on this show. I'm very excited to hear it. Um, I will say a, a random note. The other day, I did finally break out the Turtles in Time that I bought a few weeks ago. You did. And played it. Oh, my God. It was so much fun. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, man. <laughs> you really... I, I've missed, I missed the Turtles arcade games. I think you might have to review that after next week. Uh, it's It's so good. I want to play it now, actually. <laughs> That's how good it is. But uh, I guess um, that's going to do it for this week. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we got out of here? Um, No, I don't believe so. Well, cool. Well, let's go ahead and uh, do a little housekeeping, and um, we'll get out of here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can get a hold of us on Twitter, at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, at Derek underscore diamond. And you can get a hold of us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So, Derek, tell them what to do. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.